Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 105. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of Leading Green Nation. I'm Jim Kempsky from PhillyVoice.com. And we have a winner of the Kelsey Brothers bobblehead. Brandon, who is that lucky winner? Jimmy, the big news is here. We finally determined a winner in the Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Super Bowl Brothers Bobblehead presented by Foco, right? <laughs> I have to <laughs> mention <job>. that. <laughs> this is an iTunes review titled BGN Radio, the best. Five stars. This is by Football Joe, except the L's in Football Joe are ones. It's really Football 11 Joe, who wrote, I've been looking for a good Eagles podcast for a while. BGN Radio every week is easily the best. I like Jimmy Kemsky's and BLG's mix of humor and analysis. Also really hoping to get that Kelsey bobblehead because it would look great between my Chiefs fan co-workers and my cubicle. So you can add that to your cubicle football, Joe, because you won this prize. Thanks for entering. Thanks for saying nice things about us. That helps. And you can claim your prize by emailing jimmy at phillyvoice.com. That's the address. It's jimmy at phillyvoice.com. So we're going to get to a few different things here. So they announced some front office changes. Yeah, not nothing super interesting there, but we'll run through those quickly. First of all, they hired... I don't know how to spell, pronounce Tim Hunkel. Tim, is that it? Uh, that's, that's what we're going with. I'm just saying it confidently, and no one can prove me wrong. <laughs> hunk works too. Being that's the how I go by. Assistant athletic trainer. You kind of have to be like a hunk to be <laughs> in that job, right? I think that's fair to say. Well, he's the he's now the Eagles director of sports medicine. Previously, mm-hmm. he was the Vikings coordinator of rehabilitation, and he was the assistant athletic trainer. I don't know. Do you really have any analysis there? I do, Jimmy. I okay. actually, because looking at the Vikings in adjusted games loss, which isn't everything when it comes to this, you can't as simply, I know you can't just simply be like, all right, uh, Football Outsiders has this metric called it, for those who don't know, adjusted games lost, where they basically kind of weigh injuries and how injured teams are. And the Eagles have obviously been way too low on those lists, you know, towards the, the, the bad end of those lists recently. The Vikings under Hunkel here have never been bad, really. I think they had like one bad year, but everything else has kind of been average. So like, okay, I'll take that. But more importantly than that, even, uh, I thought this was interesting. This is their coordinator of rehab. I mean, this guy has seen the, the rehabs of Adrian Peterson, who came mm-hmm. back from that ACL tear like way quicker than anyone expected. Right. Remember that? Uh, he oversaw Dalvin Cook's recent injury, and he bounced back. Yes. He oversaw Teddy Bridgewater when they thought like his career was going to be over because his knee right. like exploded. Like He oversaw that. Because that's been a big issue with the Eagles. It hasn't only been the players getting hurt with the frequency. It's about, like, players getting hurt, and then they can't get healthy. They're injured forever, or they have, like, setbacks or whatever. So 
I don't think that's totally insignificant. Look at you with the salient points on that. Yeah. On Hunkel. Ted Rath. Boom. Uh, previously, LA Rams, Director of Strength Training and Performance, is now the Eagles' Director of Sports Performance. Well, he was acquitted, right, for um, <laughs> whatever came up, and the Eagles said that they're comfortable with that. Who knows? Looking at his on-field or his you know football experience, the Rams have been, they were the healthiest team, literally the healthiest team in the NFL in 2017. It was crazy. Because I remember this when Sean McVay was, you know, he was getting all the coach of the year hype. Right. And one thing that I thought was really working kind of against his favor and more should have been given credit to Doug is like his roster was healthy. They had like no injuries the whole season. It was crazy. Right. And then in 2018, they also were like fourth in adjusted games loss. So they were really healthy in both of those years that Ted Rath was there. So again, it's not like you can just simply point to Rath being the reason behind all of that, but it doesn't hurt. I feel like to deprive a guy from, from uh, one of those teams that's been able to stay healthy. So Howie Roseman, you know, did say in his post-mortem press conference after the Eagle season that, like, they have to get better with the injury thing. And it's not as, like, he didn't just boil it up to to bad luck. Like, he basically said, you know, there's, like, factors that we have to kind of uh, control on our own end. And it seems like they're trying to do that. So I think they, like, both of these hires, I think, are a good effort to actually try to address the crazy amount of injuries that they've had. Next, Jeremiah Washburn is already with the Eagles. But now he is the Eagles director of player personnel and senior defensive assistant. Yeah. That's a, quite a promotion for her, for Washburn Jr. Isn't that weird? <laughs> like A little bit, yeah. How many front office guys are also like helping out with the coaching staff to some extent? Like that's, it's really weird. My biggest takeaway with that is that. Well, pretty high to the, to the command of chain or chain of command he, rather. Well, he's <laughs> second. He's second, yeah. right? He's basically so like back when the Eagles had Joe Douglas, he was the number one guy in scouting, and Andy Weidel was his number two. Well, but now you know Douglas is gone, and Andrew Barry's gone. By the way, who was in football ops, different department, mm-hmm. but still. And now like Washburn is Weidel's number two. Yeah, it's, it seems like a pretty big promotion for a oh, guy for who sure. only joined joined the team last year. And the obvious elephant in the room that like his dad obviously doesn't have a great relationship with the Eagles, Jim Washburn. Right. So it's like a it's a weird. It's a weird dynamic, but I think my biggest takeaway with this thing, even though uh, Washburn does have experience with like Wydell too, so it's not like he's just Jim Schwartz, but I think between you look at the coaching moves, you know, like Matt Burke getting promoted, Manuel getting hired, and now Washburn getting more power in the building, like that's all, those are all Schwartz guys. Like they all have connections to Schwartz, and I don't think that's a coincidence. And then finally, they, they hired uh, three different former players. To you know, low level positions, Connor Barber and Brent Selleck and Darren Sproles. Sproles was the only uh, new one here. Barwin they had already announced a little while back. He's a special assistant to Howie Roseman. Selleck is an Eagles personnel consultant, as is Darren Sproles. Now we saw uh, Connor Barwin and Brent Selleck both uh, at the Senior Bowl, so we already by then we already knew that Barwin was going to be was going to have some kind of role. And then uh, seeing Selleck there talking to prospects and such. Uh, after practices on the field, you know, we knew that obviously he had some kind of role too, but they officially announced both uh, that Selleck and, and Sproles will be in that capacity as well. I always found it funny, like once uh, Brian Dawkins got hired to the team, hmm. again, anytime there was some, kind of, <laughs> I'm joking on this sort of, uh, but anytime there was like some kind of bad news yeah. surrounding the team, they'd, they'd be like, hey, we just promoted Brian Dawkins to... <laughs> <laughs> to whatever next new level up. So I wonder if uh, 
you know, Barwin, Selleck, or Sproles will <laughs> will quickly climb the ladder uh, whenever the Eagles have some kind of troubling situation going on. Do you remember what that was when that first happened? I was trying to think, was it when they traded for DGB or no? I don't know. Because people, okay. people like that move. I guess. I mean, they traded but... Dennis Kelly for, they were like, sure, I'll take DGB for Dennis Kelly. I think most people like thought the Eagles ripped the Titans off on that one. But yeah, that was funny. They definitely did do that. And by the way, you brought up Brian Dawkins. I, I basically think, like, my guess is that what that's what these guys are kind of going to be in his role. Like, he was a front office guy in terms of his title, but, like, he also helped out in, like, a mentorship capacity, right? Yes. Like, you wrote about that before. So he, was, he was operating as something of, like, a, uh, as something of like a, an unofficial assistant coach. Right. Like, he was instructing guys after practice. Right. And then, like, when I saw that, I asked a bunch of players, like, in the locker room, you know, what he was doing in, in that sort of quasi-coaching role. And it was mainly, like, the linebackers and the safeties that he was working with. And he was just teaching them like little tricks of the trade, like even Malcolm Jenkins, who you know doesn't really need much refinement in his game, you know where he is in, in his career. You know he he like even acknowledged that you know Brian Dawkins had uh, had taught him a number of different things, namely um, with forced fumbles, like making sure you're punching at the ball uh, while you're making the tackle at the same time. And actually, Jenkins' forced fumble numbers have been really good the last few years. What do you? I know he had four this past year, and it really should have been five because he had that forced fumble against New England. I'm sorry, he had three, but it should have been four because of the, uh, you know, the, obviously that Cowboys debacle. No clear recovery. Yeah. So then the two years before that, he had one in 2016 and 2017 combined. So I think actually Dawkins did kind of, you know, help his game out a little bit there. But anyway, that got off on a little tangent there. But yeah, he did have something of a role as uh, as a quasi coach, and I don't know if. Uh, Schwartz liked that all that much, and then suddenly he wasn't doing that anymore. Well, so. that's what I'm guessing. Like these guys might do a little bit too. I'm guessing we might see some of that with Selick and Sproles, especially Sproles, especially. Yeah, yeah. Like Barwin actually said he wants to be a GM one day. Like, like even going before being hired into the front office. So he seems to be, and he obviously has the most elevated title, I guess, of all of them, the special yes. assistant to the GM. So we'll see all that. Uh, I don't love in theory. The play, like the idea of leaning on former players too much, because that's like a very like Flyers thing. It's very like incestuous. Like we always have the best answers. It's like a former Eagle. So, but I mean, these guys are low level, so I don't think it's anything to like freak right. out about. Agreed. Moving Next on. thing, Deuce. <laughs> oh, speaking of in-house people, uh, yeah. Deuce Daly, who reportedly via Philly Voice, Joe Santeliquido put out that Deuce did not get an interview. For the Eagles offensive coordinator job. Do you have any thoughts on that to begin with, Jimmy? It comes as a little bit of a surprise when I read that. You know, I, I would think that they would at least interview him. I mean, they've interviewed him in the past for head coaching jobs. They interviewed him for the uh, OC job the year before. This year he doesn't even get a, you know, a, a bite at the apple. <laughs> like, mm. why would you at least interview him? See what, like, you know, his you know thoughts on the job or how he would attack it may have changed over the last year. I don't know. Can it hurt to interview him? No. And I think he maybe felt slighted by that. Well, and, and in conjunction with that, there's a report from The Athletic that Deuce Staley inquired about South Carolina's only recently vacant running backs coach job. Now, since that report came out, Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia put out a report kind of refuting that, saying that Deuce did not, but conflicting info. But, I mean, it d- doesn't really seem so crazy that Deuce would look into moving on. Not, not. It, it seems crazy that he would actually leave the Eagles, I guess, you know, for 
a running back coach job right. at South Carolina. But maybe, you know, the thinking there to me would be like that Deuce wasn't actually going to take that job, but he's kind of putting himself on South Carolina's radar because, you know, that's where he attended college. I think his son goes there now. You know, Will Muschamp is, I think he's kind of like on the hot seat there a little bit. Like there's pressure on him to, to perform. So if he gets fired, I mean, Deuce Staley seems like a pretty good candidate for that job. And that's probably the best way for Deuce to actually move up at this point. Like, we know he's not moving up with the Eagles. Like, he, he can't get any higher here. I guess the only thing he could be would be head coach. And that's not going to happen anytime soon because Doug's job security yeah. is fantastic. And if Doug did get fired. Right. They probably wouldn't hire Deuce. Right. So <laughs> so here, here's, here's what I'll say about the conflicting reports. So the report came from a reporter from The Athletic who covers... South Carolina football. It doesn't seem to me like this is like an attention grabber kind of reporter. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was buried in the article kind of too. Right, it wasn't right. Even like it, right. It wasn't like the headline was end like, of a daily, like Yeah, right. It was just in there. I don't think he's making that up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like something went down there, I think. Yeah. If it were me, I wouldn't totally dismiss the idea that Deuce reached out to them in some way, but that's just me. Well, Rube's probably, you know, I mean, is Rube talking to someone from South Carolina too? Like I'm, I'm guessing not. Like his source is probably coming more from the Eagles side and the Eagles wouldn't want that out there. You know, I don't think they would, they don't want that. Their running backs coach, whatever is, is looking to leave. Like they don't, they don't benefit from that. No, that's, they, they certainly wouldn't want Deuce going to South Carolina and, and trying to get a new job. They Like they like him as a running backs coach, of course. And then of course they, like you mentioned, they wouldn't want it out there that mm-hmm. he did do that if he did do that. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I don't think that South Carolina reporter was just like, yeah, let me just throw this in for no good reason. I agree. You know, like, Deuce Staley probably isn't on that guy's radar. I mean, Deuce went to that school, but what, like 30 years ago? In the mid-90s, yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting situation developing there, I think. You want to take an early break, Jimmy, and then get into a conspiracy that we have after the break? Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 105, Brandley Gowton, Jimmy Kensky here with you to talk about a conspiracy. Jimmy, are you ready for this? I am. Me being who I am and <laughs> reading every single piece of... You're a, step, you're a notch below uh, Greg Richards in, <laughs> that is in true. your memorization of like things that the Eagles put out. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite checking like the front office listing every day to see if it changes like he <laughs> right. does credit to him. But, but, but you're not that far off. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't do that, but I, I, I do, you know, I'm, I'm always watching. So be careful. 
Jimmy, and anyone else out there. I'm, I'm always watching. Yes. Anyway, so the Eagles put out this article this week by good friend Dave Spadaro. Uh, used to contribute to BGN. He puts out this article called Energy, Chemistry, and Physicality characteristics needed for 2020 and he lays out this article like of all those characteristics that he thinks the eagles need to improve on and he under this section labeled chemistry there's a middle paragraph in there which i thought was pretty interesting dave wrote since then well the swimming has not been as simple there have been too many leaks in quotes the stories quoting anonymous sources air quotes don't help anything to do with this team that stuff has to stop. I, w- I tweeted that out because I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah, who yeah, could yeah. he possibly be talking about here? <laughs> right. And for those of you who like haven't figured that out, like I think like some of the replies like kind of missed the point on that. So mm. just to be clear, our brains immediately went to Alshon Jeffrey. Yep. So go ahead. Continue. And because why did they go to Alshon Jeffrey? Because, I mean, literally someone who works for the team, Howard Eskin, said that Austin well, they would dispute that. To be clear, they don't. They I know. say they say he doesn't work for the team. He doesn't necessarily work for the team, but he doesn't. I mean, he's a he's like a quasi, I would say, employee of sense. I mean, he got a Super Bowl ring. Did he though? There's like actually a a, a difference of opinion on that. I looked into that. Well, I mean, I, I saw I read the article and ultimately he, he bought one, I think, but he also got one. Okay, got it. All right, he's the Eagles sideline reporter. He was at the Super Bowl party. On their radio telecast. Yeah. With Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. And he travels with the team. And he and he certainly gets more more access within the team's facilities. And like I said, he travels with the team than a normal media person would. And the Eagles did nothing to deny that it was him, by the way. Like the Eagles didn't. If the Eagles wanted to disassociate with that, like they could have. They didn't. Alshon did. And then Eskin said it on the radio. And yeah. then we went back and asked Alshon again, you know, after that happened. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I'm not talking about that anymore. <laughs> like he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't re-deny it again. He just said, he just, he just dismissed it. This paragraph got changed on the website <laughs> after I tweeted that out and people were reacting to it. It was scrubbed. And then this is how it reads now. Since then, well, the swimming has not been as simple. The injuries have mounted. The Eagles have had to change the roster on the run. It hasn't been ideal. The team has been able to adjust to make the postseason in each of the last two seasons. So somehow, in a section about <laughs> chemistry, the anonymous source stuff was taken out, and yeah, then and just, injuries yeah. were thrown in there. Like, that was the issue with the team's chemistry? Injuries and <laughs> roster changes? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what do you make of that, Jimmy? Uh, I think they over-censor things. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, so I already, I'm already on the record over and over again saying that I think they're going to cut Alshon Jeffrey. But why? Because people don't, like, people, I I write this on BGN, and people are like, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they just want him out of the building, and rightfully so. I mean, it's two straight years that he criticized the uh, starting quarterback. Yeah, but how do you know it was him? I can't, yeah, I mean, I can't say that. But, right. you know, I'm extremely confident that it was him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the Eagles know it was him. So I think they're going to want to get him out of the building, and they're just going to, take their medicine and take the cap hit. If they can trade him in some way, then they'll do that. But I can't see any way that any team out there is going to trade for him. And if they did attach like a pick to it or something like that, it's just going to be far too. I think, you know, going down that rabbit hole, is kind of like fruitless. I just think they're going to cut them and, and cut their losses. When, when do you think that would happen? Like just not, I'm not asking you to like to predict the day, like just so that like soon, any moment. Yeah. So to tease that, I actually have a call with, 
uh, Joel Corey, the former uh, NFL agent who now writes for uh, CBS. And mm-hmm. uh, that's one of my questions that uh, I want to address with him because one of the quirky things about this offseason upcoming is the new uh, collective bargaining agreement. Yes. And one of the issues with cutting Jeffrey this offseason is that you can't kick any of that money down the road. So you're taking the full $26 million dead money hit in 2020. There's, so there's no June 1st rule where you'd be mm-hmm. able to offset not offset, but you'd be able to kick like nine to ten million of that into twenty twenty one, and only take like a sixteen million dollar hit in twenty twenty. You don't have that option this year. But if a new CBA gets done sometime in March, which some people think is possible, maybe that June first rule is back on the table, mm-hmm. and the Eagles would one hundred percent use that June first cut rule if they were going to cut them. They would one hundred percent use that ability to kick you know, that extra 10 million or whatever into the following year. That's not uh, a situation that I am, I couldn't write about that right now <laughs> without knowing more. So again, like I said, that's, that's, a, that's a sort of a thing that, I mean, that's, that's like extreme, mm, like nitty gritty kind of uh, contract stuff. Yeah. So I, that's something that I wanted to ask Joel about, who is uh, more up on that stuff than I am. But uh, I have a, I have a conference call scheduled with him. Uh, tomorrow to kind of go over all that today, depending on when this this we're recording on Saturday, but I have a call with him scheduled for Sunday. Uh, so look forward to something with him. Uh, I'm, I'm, that'll either be in podcast form or column form. I'm not sure if, uh, how I'm actually going to do that, but um, I have a call with him to, to kind of get into that more in terms of the timing on when they would cut him if they cut him. But I, my sense is they would not cut him until they see what happens with a potential new CBA. Okay. So the Eagles definitely want a new CBA. Yeah. I have a long way to explain that, but I don't know how you explain it very quickly. <laughs> so speaking of the CBA, Jimmy, I had a quick aside. It's not even on our rundown sheet here. A little inside baseball for you. You wrote an article about NFC East free agents, like who could be going from other teams. And obviously you can read that in Philly Voice. Don't need to get into the whole thing here. But uh, one of the things I don't know if you mentioned, did you realize that there's two tags this year? Like yes. Can, uh, okay. So you, I know where you're going with this, Prescott and Cooper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to see if you saw that because I, I didn't even see that till recently somehow, and I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, you can use them both. And actually, somebody brought this up in the comment section of uh, if there isn't the CBA yes. of that story. Yeah. So the way that works is you get the uh, you get the franchise tag and the transition tag. We all we all know how the franchise tag works, right? Where mm-hmm. it's a big number, and if somebody somebody can sign him. Somebody can sign a franchise tag player, but they got to give up a couple of first round picks. In theory, uh, to, yeah. To do so, uh, which nobody ever does, right? So um, the transition tag doesn't work that way. It basically serves as a right of first refusal and nothing more. Mm-hmm. So, if, so, you... if they, so if they franchise tag Dak Prescott and then they slap the transition tag on Amari Cooper, the number that I think it, it'll be is like, for, for Cooper, that is. I think the transition tag number is like $16 million or something like that because it becomes, I think it's 120% of whatever he made in 2019. And then all the Cowboys have is right of first refusal on that. So any team can offer him a contract, and he's going to make more than $16 million a year anyway, and he probably would give the Cowboys the right of first refusal anyway. So the transition tag doesn't really do much for them. They could certainly slap it on him. But I don't mm-hmm. think it really benefits them in, in much in any way. So we're going to get into another 
free agent Eagles receiver target, but there was some talk, meaning by, and by some talk, I mean, David Carr wrote an article for NFL.com about like potential landing spots for Amari Cooper and he included the Eagles in there. That was a big talking point like last weekend and I guess earlier this past week. Would you sign Amari Cooper, Jimmy, if you were the Eagles? I think it's going to get too pricey. Hmm. With the Eagles, I think we're going to find that the, the highest price ticket will go toward the cornerback position. For the Eagles specifically, like they're going to spend at corner. They're going to spend more at corner than they are anywhere else. With wide receiver kind of agree. coming, with with wide receiver, I think that they're going to spend a lot of on wide receiver as well. I think their number one free agent signing in terms of the amount of money they give is going to be a cornerback. So, for what I mean by that is, I think like, in my opinion, the best cornerback on the market is Byron Jones. Agree. The best wide receiver on the market is, of course, Amari Cooper. I think they're more mm-hmm. likely to sign Byron Jones than than Amari Cooper. I agree with that. And on that note, would you sign Byron Jones? <laughs> I would. Yeah, I think uh, I think he makes a lot of sense. He's just a really good, solid corner across the board. The one thing that he just doesn't have is a lot of splash plays. I think he's what like two interceptions over his entire career. He's just a very good cover corner. He tackles. He's big. He's fat. He, like he's one of the most athletic players in the NFL. I mean, he has he holds the the world record for the for the broad jump ever. Mm-hmm. Like he's uh, he's an extremely athletically gifted guy and big and you know he's 6'1 200 he's better than you know anyone they've had in, in quite a while and you know what i also think i think you know when you have two interceptions over five years in a career i think that's kind of like an oddball anomaly. like bad luck yeah you can expect those numbers to rise like i wouldn't ex- i would like if you sign him i don't think you expect him to just have half a pick a season. He does have three forced fumbles in his career, and he also has 43 passes defensed. So he does get his hands on the ball. And just watching him, like, and look, you know, I've watched a number of Cowboys games over the years because I I always watch the Cowboys in addition to the Eagles. He just passes the eye test for me. Like, he's really good. Like, you can just turn on the tape and you see it with him. And someone put up a a good highlight clip. I posted this on Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, ESPN suggests five offseason moves for the Eagles because one of them was about cornerbacks. And I I was thinking about Byron Jones more. And someone posted this good clip of Byron Jones. And he's just like shutting down like Michael Thomas, uh, Nuck from the Texans. Like just going up a bunch of (laughs) top conditions. And he's just like shutting them down. And, you know, it's a highlight clip. So you can do that with certain players sure. but but just watching him live though like he he just always seems to pass the eye test for me he's versatile he can he's played at safety he has experience in the nickel right if i'm not mistaken like he, you can line him up you play at safety places. then you have you have experience in the nickel yeah right so like he, he can line up in multiple spots he would line up at corner ideally but i'm just saying like he has versatility he's only 27 uh he's missed one game in his entire career right like, and that's just, a big thing for the eagles at corner they've had so many guys you know, like, like yes. they get hurt constantly any super athletic any any i think he fits what schwartz likes in the corner in terms of like a guy who like battles and is confident he, he's not a guy who seems to to lack that at all yeah i think it makes a lot of sense i know people get worry of you know the former cowboy and that's <laughs> right they don't work out yeah but like i don't know man like and, and i've always liked him like i liked him going into that draft class like i that's who i wanted the eagles to pick instead of Nelson Aguilar, like at that pick, like that's, that's who I wanted more than anyone was, was Byron Jones. Cause I just thought he was so good. The athletic pro- profile, everything. So Agreed, um, by the way. I don't know if it's realistic because I, I guess there's teams out there with more money and they might just pony up and get him. Yeah. He's definitely, I think some people are averse to that because they're like, you can't spend all this money on him because he's not 
because he's like a good corner, but he's not like the best corner in the NFL, and that's what he might get paid like. But I don't know, man. I like him. He's going to probably make more than fifteen million a year. Mm-hmm. So let's stay on the cornerback position for a minute. We were, we were going to tackle sure. uh, Demarcus Robinson next, but let's let's move to Darius Slay because mm. you put out an article uh, on Saturday morning about a uh, a proposed uh, <laughs> trade for Mister Slay uh, via ESPN, in which the Eagles would be giving up a third round pick and Sidney Jones for Darius Slay. Your thoughts? I don't think the value is crazy in a vacuum. Now, obviously, you have to consider here that Darius Slay, you know, is going to need a, or he's going to want a contract extension. Um, you also have to consider his age. He is 29. It's not like the ideal solution for the Eagles. I don't think you look at this and they're like, boom, this is it. But if maybe if they couldn't get their ideal solutions and you're looking at, okay, they need a corner and Slay is really good. And, and also... Just looking at it in terms of realistic like chances, because that that's always what's kind of interests me more, as opposed to like we can talk about what we think should happen, but like okay, if there's not a snowball chance in hell of it happening, like, like great, like what are we what are we talking about here? So, looking at that angle, like Slay played or he was drafted in Jim Schwartz's uh, final year, I believe, as head coach in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Eagles reportedly kind of had an interest in him ahead of the the trade deadline this past year, and obviously that didn't go anywhere. Some possible. I think that it's all in the it's in their the Eagles' minds by any means. But uh, I get why you wouldn't like it because you, you can get into that, Jimmy. I don't want to say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Um, I actually like Slay as a player a lot. Actually, the one there was a quote that I loved about him: uh, Carson Wentz's rookie year, Browns, Bears, Steelers, and Carson Wentz was like getting like all kinds of national love, and that was like coming off that Steelers game. Or they just tore them apart. Like, that's a blowout. Yeah, and, and, and the Steelers are, like, favorite, too. The Steelers are, like, <laughs> right. Super Bowl favorites. <laughs> right. And they come off the bye, and they go into they go into uh, Detroit, and they lose that game. But at the end of that game, the way that ended was uh, he threw a long ball to, surprise, Nelson Aguilar, who didn't <sighs> go up and fight for that ball. And uh, Slay picked him off. And then after the game, they were interviewing Slay about that, about that throw. And, you know, like I said, Wentz was getting, like, all kinds of hype, uh, you know, hanging into that game. And he hadn't thrown an interception yet. And Slay said that while the ball's in the air, he thought in his head, well, here comes his first career pick. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like that about Terry Slay. But, uh, I do like him as a player. But again, as you mentioned, he's 29 years old and he's got one year on his contract. And if you trade for him, you're paying him $10 million for that one year. And you need your roster to be younger. So mm-hmm. you're adding a guy that's going to be 30, and so if you sign him to a contract extension, the first year of that contract, duh, he'll be 30. You know, you really need to get younger as a roster, so forget that aspect of it. You know, him being an older corner, you're, you're giving up a third-round pick. That's a player that you hope can be a starter at some point, or at least some kind of important role player. So you're giving up a third-round pick, and Sidney Jones, which, you know, again, not much value there, but maybe he's valuable to somebody else. I don't know. But you're giving up Sidney Jones and a three for a 30-year-old that's going to count for $10 million on the cap. I'd rather just pay a little bit more for Byron Jones. Yeah, that's, that's again, it comes down to the context for me. Like, if this, if the Eagles were ready to, like, win a Super Bowl this year and, like, they weren't trying, well, I mean, not not to say they aren't, but, like, if they were just all in on winning now, which they, they shouldn't be, they need to get younger and, and whatnot, uh, then maybe, like, if this is, like, the missing piece, you know, like, if this yeah, is, like, right. the 2017 team or whatever, yes. then sure. But, like, yeah, I just don't think they're in the spot right now where, yeah, they should be making these Band-Aid kind of moves as opposed to finding some of these more long-term options. Yeah, I hear you. 
Demarcus Robinson. Well, do you want to take a break here? We'll, Jimmy? we'll, we'll get we'll... Demarcus Robinson and then we'll then we'll go to the break and we'll do okay. the, uh, the beat writer face off power. Rankings. Okay. Jeff McLean wrote during the Super Bowl when he was um, when he was covering the Super Bowl for the Inquirer uh, about Demarcus Robinson and about how Eagles are expected to have him, quote, in their sights in free agency, Demarcus Robinson being a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, for those who don't know. And Kist and Solak did a good job of kind of touching on this already, so I don't need to, to beat it to death, but just kind of wanted to weigh in here and basically agree with them that I don't love the profile of a Demarcus Robinson. Jimmy, I think it's interesting because looking back at like some of his college scouting report and some of the stuff I had written about him when the Eagles had brought him in for a top 30 visit leading up to the 2016 NFL draft, which is noteworthy, um, especially because, of, as you mentioned, you know, there was no Joe Douglas around at the time. It was just Howie and uh, Tom Donahoe and company running the show. Robinson being a Florida guy, too, of course, definitely on Howie's radar, you would think. Like So Robinson, it was weird at the time because I felt like he was getting described as like a, a guy with vertical ability and a deep threat and whatnot. But, like, he doesn't really have the profile of that speed-wise, certainly. Like, his 40 time. Right, he ran a 4-5-9, I think it was, at the combine. And then even after the catch, like, he's not anything, like, especially dangerous or special. I was watching his highlights uh, this past season, 2019, and it kind of reminded me of when uh, I watched Jordan Howard's highlights last year. It's mm-hmm. like, there's nothing really, this isn't really anything, like, impressive. Like, he's just doing, like, good things over and over at, yeah. at best. Right. Like, he's not doing anything like, oh, my gosh, like jaw-dropping or special. Yeah, I don't love it. Well, it depends on, you know, what, what, what kind of role they'd be bringing him into. Like, if you're mm-hmm. if you're signing him to be a starter, God, no. <laughs> like, no. No, of course. Of course that's not the guy that you want to target. If you're, if you're bringing him in to be, like, a number four receiver, then sure. I think it's fine. Like, uh, one of uh, Kist's arguments. Arguments on I didn't I didn't I didn't hear their podcast yet, but uh, I know. Well, way not to listen to me. Tra- <laughs> way not to be a team player. But one of the, a couple of the points that he made on Twitter was, you know, a that um, he didn't have like his yard his yards per route run or catches per route run or whatever it was per route to run was pretty low. And that, mm-hmm. I, like I understand that being in the, being in an offense with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Cole Hardman. And also they throw to the running backs a lot. So I get why that would be low. The one thing that I found kind of puzzling was pro football focus had him rated basically the same as Nelson Aguilar. Slightly higher though. So an upgrade. I mean, I, I hate just looking at pro football focus grades. I think it's totally For useless. Sure. I, w- I wouldn't use that as an argument really, but he's certainly better last year than Nelson Aguilar was last year. Like there's no debate on that in my opinion. I looked at, all, bar. His, I looked at all of his incompletions. Demarcus Robinson, that is. You know, the, the one really bad game that he had was in the playoffs against the Texans. And it was bad. Like, he had two clear drops. And they were both at the point in the game where, like, the Chiefs were getting smoked early in that game. I think they went down, like, 24 nothing originally. And he had two bad drops that, you know, might have uh, sort of created some momentum for them to drag themselves out of that hole, which they eventually did anyway. And then I think he had, like, a maybe kind of drop. Over the course of the year, I didn't think his, his hands were really a problem. During the regular season, like he had a drop here and there. I counted like three, maybe three, like maybe four if you're if you're judging harshly. But like like you said, he's not like making these jaw dropping like run by guys kind of plays, like breaking tackles, getting yards after the catch, like nothing like super super exciting. But I think he is a solid enough receiver where 
he would be obviously an upgrade over anyone that the Eagles would have had in like sort of that number four kind of spot. So if that it depends, like again, if they if they were to sign a guy like him, I think you know he's a guy that's ascending maybe because he's twenty five years old. His stats have gotten better each and every year he's been in the league, and I think like you know if he's in like sort of like that backup kind of role where he can come in and give you snaps if guys get tired or the guy gets hurt or something like that, he's not going to kill you. I think he's fine like that. But again, I'm totally on board with if he's your starter, then forget it. I think it's kind of, uh, before we get a break here, the last thing I'll say is that it's kind of interesting, I think, what what's going to happen with the slot position. And I think that's like an under-talked-about thing, the Eagles this offseason. I know, yes. you know they're going to be, in theory at least, they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel, so it's not going to be like the most important thing. But, I mean, they're still going to have a slot receiver at times, and I don't, we don't know for sure that that's just going to be Greg Ward and that they're going to be like, okay, you know, it's Greg Ward and we're not even going to try to add anyone there. Uh, so I guess that's kind of interesting uh, when you think about the offense as a whole and we'll see that shake out. Any final thoughts before we go to break, Jimmy? No, let's go to break. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode number 105, 105, either way. Brandon Lee Gowton here, Jimmy Kemsky with you here also to talk about a very unexpectedly to Jimmy, but not really so unexpectedly to me, a polarizing topic. And it is, who are you voting for? No, I'm kidding. Uh, it is Derek Barnett in his fifth year option. I wrote about that on Saturday morning, really, because I couldn't think of anything else to write. <laughs> I like, it Little got peek like, behind the curtain. It got, <laughs> it got like all kinds of like uh, debate going uh, mm. on whether they should exercise his fifth year option or not. Really, the reality is they're going to exercise the fifth-year option. Like, it's not a debate. They're going to do it. Because I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of, of what the, the fifth-year option does. So, you know, like, they like they exercised it with Aguilar a couple of years ago. And I think maybe that's where people are kind of thinking, well, they exercised the option and then they had to pay him $9 million or whatever it was in, in you know, this past year. That doesn't really work that way. So, like, yeah, they did eventually pay him that money. But it wasn't guaranteed. Like before the 2019 season began, they had the option to just cut him or trade him, and there would have been no penalty to do so. They wouldn't have had to pay that money to him. So Barnett has one year left on his contract, and it's essentially the last year of his of his rookie contract this upcoming year in 2020. To exercise the fifth year option, that would occur in 2021. That's only guaranteed for injury. So if he plays out the 2020 season, and then you know the, the 2021 off season comes around. The Eagles will have the option to, you know, whether to pay him the because it's going to be about it's going to be roughly around ten million for twenty twenty one. If they, if, you know, that the fifth year option will be about twenty ten million dollars in twenty twenty one. So uh, they'll have the option at that time whether to pay that or not. And it's only like I said, it's only guaranteed for injury. So really, the only risk you run with coming into a bad situation is if you know he either regresses or stagnates in twenty twenty, but then also sustain some kind of serious injury during the 2020 season that would carry over into the 2021 season. It's really the only risk that you're on by exercising that fifth year, fifth year option. And the team loves Barnett. Like, whatever you think about Derek Barnett, and I understand why, like, some fans would be, you know, sort of uh, disappointed in him because he's missed a number of games. I think, like, 10, I think it was, in 2018. He missed a couple this past year. He's missed 15 total. Okay, so durability is certainly a concern. He's got, what, like 14 or 15 sacks? 14, I think he's it is? 14 through three seasons. Okay, plus whatever he had in the playoffs. Obviously, the penalties are a problem. Like, he makes, he commits dumb penalties. He was tied for third most among NFL edge rushers last year. Eight oh, yeah, penalties. for just overall penalties? 
Yep, eight penalties. And I think like four of them were just dumb, like of yep. a dumb variety, like unnecessary roughness. Yeah, I get it. Like he's certainly like uh, a player that is uh, is not immune to criticism in any way. But the staff like loves him. They keep like Jim Schwartz talking about talking about like you know that's the that's the jersey that he would wear if you were a fan. You know, well he said both of my daughters wear Derek Barnett jerseys to the game. Right. Why, Jimmy? Why is there the disconnect? I think because that's I think that's interesting to get into because I I I sense the same thing and I kind of get it like. I don't, like where we talked about earlier, like Byron Jones just passes the eye test. Like yeah. Derek Barnett doesn't always do that, I guess. Right, for I everyone. agree. Sure, I, I agree. Yeah, I think he's a better player than he gets credit for, and that's fine. Like I, we, we all vary on our opinions of players. Like I, I think he's uh, he's a pe- potential breakout candidate in in twenty twenty, but he's not Von Miller. But what I do think he is is a solid pass rusher. He's very good against the run. Uh, you know, they credit his toughness all the time. Obviously, doesn't really jibe with the. Uh, the 15 games missed, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's a, I, I think he's a solid starter in the NFL, like already. And with, a, with the potential to, to, to kind of be an above, an above average starter. I think they really need a breakout season for him. <laughs> like yes. finally, in, yeah, uh, 20, right. like this has to be the year. He's, and he, by the way, he is young. He's always been young on the younger side. He's only 23 right now. So like maybe it comes, um, I don't think he's maxed out by any means, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons I've been high on him because he, just of his age and feeling like okay, you know maybe he gets older here, he matures not only like mentally but actually physically because you know I don't know his body might not be like fully done growing, but or certainly was it was not when he joined the team and he was only 21 years old. So I'm interested to see in that. Uh, I guess like the frustration I would say comes from though like you don't want just a good player at your edge rusher you know what i mean like that's not a spot where you're like all right we got a good guy and that's good enough like you want to ideally it's like quarterback like you you want like elite it's a it's a prestige position for sure and with brandon graham who you know i love with all my heart and how could he not after watching all or nothing (laughs) right seeing how he's the star of the show um but like you know he's not an elite guy He's, he's i think he's a very good edge rusher but he's not elite by any means you know to not have that with barnett either and then to look at someone like yannick Ngakwe, you know, who's only 24 years old and kind of has more of that elite production on the table. I don't think the Eagles will sign him, to be clear. And I, and I know you wrote about that too, Jimmy. But like, I think people look at that and they're like, they want someone like that on the team. And that's, I guess, that's part of where the frustration comes with Derek Barnett. Like, he just hasn't made that leap. And maybe he'll do it this year. And I and I do agree with you. They are going to pick up the fifth-year option. And by the way, that's um, they have until May 30th to do that. No, I think it's like May. I think it's like May 3rd. Okay. Well, either way, it's going to happen. Uh, this offseason for sure. Uh, be on the lookout for that. And okay, May 3rd, Gil Brandt led me wrong. Gil Brandt said uh, May 30th, huh? Yeah, so well, whatever. It's going <laughs> to happen whatever after it is, the draft. Right? Whatever probably. it is, they're going to exercise it. Like it's, yeah. not, it's not even a debate. It's going to happen. Yes. I had a quick thing on a couple mock draft thoughts here. I feel like we can maybe maybe go into this once a week throughout leading up to the draft. Kind of at the very least, kind of like weigh in on a mock draft thing real quick because we right. kind of do that anyway. Uh, and the one thing that I've been thinking about recently, especially after talking or listening to uh, Mike Renner from PFF talking with Michael Kist on the BGN Draft episode number four, I believe it was. Uh, so check that out if you haven't listened already on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. They were talking about C.J. Henderson, Jimmy, for okay. the cornerback uh, as a potential Eagles first round option. Yes. Do you have any initial thoughts on C.J. Henderson? I like C.J. Henderson. He's one of the first guys that I profiled all year. It's like a long corner. He's got speed. He's got everything you want from a cornerback. But 
I don't think they're going cornerback in the first round. Because like I said earlier in the podcast, like that's where I think they're going to spend. I think they're, the one position where they're going to spend top dollar on one guy is at cornerback. And then I think they also bring Mills back. So they're already going to have their one, two corners lined up. And I think if you bring both of those guys back, they're both beyond the sort of long-term deals. And you mm-hmm. have Maddox and you have Craven LeBlanc. But again, you know, we don't have that. If free agency shakes out and they haven't solved both outside starting corner spots, then sure, I can see that happening. But I don't think you want to get into a situation where you're counting on a rookie corner <laughs> to sort of man one of those outside corner spots. I just don't see it as very realistic in the first round. I also don't see Jim Schwartz drafting C.J. Henderson. By no? Okay. Like, I cannot see... It's tackling like, is an issue, if I recall, right? Well, also, like, he... One of the biggest knocks on him is, like, he's not confident. Or, I mean, like, he doesn't... Like, for a cornerback... You know, cornerbacks usually, like, you know, they break up a pass. They're, like, celebrating, you know, they're yeah, doing yeah, the incompletion yeah. thing. And we know Jim Schwartz, and especially why like, he loves Jalen Mills. Yeah, it's because it was, like, irrational... If you would even call it that, <laughs> oh, no, could. it is irrational. Yeah, confidence. <laughs> I and like Henderson just does not have that. It seems like at all, and I know that might seem like silly to people as a reason to not uh, like him, but I just I can't see that fit. Like it just it's very it's very bizarre to me. Like that that like you know Schwartz who just loves that kind of thing, that kind of mentality. It doesn't seem like the uh, the most natural fit to me. So that's just a quick. Did they I both had. like him? Uh, they talked about him. His in terms of his uh, his athletic profile. And production and whatnot, it's there, and I agree. But they also they also did bring that up about how like it's it's just bizarre, like how like most cornerbacks play like that, but his personality is kind of just not that way. And I think that could be uh, a deterrent for Jim Schwartz and what he values in cornerbacks and not being insignificant given his uh, his control or not or whatever his influence in personnel. And then the other one thought I had real quick on mock draft stuff was. You know, a lot of people are like, Henry Ruggs is definitely not going to fall to the Eagles at number 21. And now, if I had to bet money on it, you know, I'm not counting on it to happen. But, like, I think some people talk about it like it's impossible. (laughs) Right. And I don't really think it is. I mean, so I did a mock draft roundup last week on BleedingGreenNation.com, and 8 out of 23 mocks had him going to the Eagles. He was the most popular option. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's not this, like, like, unthinkable scenario where he could fall to the Eagles. I think he doesn't fall, personally. And I, will, I won't have him as my first-round pick in any mock draft. I, well, that depends. I guess if he like runs a semi-disappointing 40 at the Combine, then that might make him available to the Eagles at 21. But if he runs like a 4-2-something, then he's very likely not going to be available to the Eagles at 21. But, I, but I'm totally with you on these definitive statements of, like, that guy's not going to be there at, at whatever pick. Like, remember the Combine that, like, Montez Sweat had last year? Yeah. And then they're like some character concerns. So he goes, what, 26th or 27th or whatever it is? Washington yep. trade up to get him. And I remember like I did a mock draft last year where like I had um, that Florida safety uh, with the hyphenated name whose name is... Chauncey uh, Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him in like the second round or something like that. And they're like, uh, you're not going to be there. <laughs> Went third round. <laughs> like, so like you don't know. Like you don't know where guys are going to fall. They get like poked and prodded at the combine at the hospital there. They find like all kinds of like medical issues that you know weren't already known. Like some of the medical dis- conditions that already existed might be worse than, than teams originally thought. Like the the guy could be like just a total jack off the field <laughs> that people don't really know about. So like you don't know. So but if you're if you're like a mock draft reader and you have the urge to type, like if you have the urge to be like, <laughs> he's not gonna be there. 
This is stupid. Stop, stop. Take a breath. Because you don't know. I don't either. Like, I'm not claiming that I do either. But you don't know. Are those people typing on, like, typewriters, too? And rent. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> well, yeah, it's my, uh, it's my keyboard right in front of me there. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Jimmy, though, you have the <laughs> the highlight segment of the episode here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's get into it. You can, I mean, this is your thing, so you have to introduce yeah, it. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm not done writing it yet. Uh, it'll be ready to go for, I'm hoping, Monday. But uh, I have the Eagles beat writer question face-off power rankings. And for those of you who have no idea what that means, uh, uh, a silly but fun dynamic uh, happens at every Eagles press conference uh, all throughout the year and throughout the offseason in which the sub- the interview subject will be standing at the podium, whether that be Doug Peterson, uh, you know, formerly Mike Groh, Jim Schwartz, Howie Roseman, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, whoever it is. Uh, and all reporters, you know, they try to get their questions in. And what happens is, like, a couple of different reporters will try to ask a question at the same time. And what you have are these question face-offs. And you win some, and you lose some. Some reporters win more than they lose. Some reporters lose more than they win. I'd probably put myself in the latter bucket. Like, I'd probably lose more than I win. So what I uh, am going ahead and doing is uh, doing a power ranking of the Beat writer, question, face-off competitors. Who do you think I have in my top five, Brandon? Zach Berman. I do have Zach Berman in the top five. I have him number five. Hmm, number five. You would have uh, him higher? Well, I mean, Zach's is always, Zach's very loud, and he's, in a good way, not not criticizing him, like, in a, he, he rejects his voice very well, mm-hmm. and I also think he has the confidence in his delivery. I like Zach Berman when it comes to this kind of thing. So, and hold on, general. hold on, let's, let's, let's you can take your guesses one at a time because I'll add my okay. Zach Berman. I'll add my Zach Berman commentary here because they do have him in the top five. So I'll go. Um, th- I'll, I'll give commentary on my top five, and when you hit on the top five guy, I'll give my commentary there. So I don't think Zach has a very good win loss record. Actually, mm. I think he loses more than he wins. Actually, wow, because he's a victim of his own politeness. Mm. So like, if he if he's asking a question at the same time as somebody, he'll back off. How about is, uh... which is nice. But what happens, though, he's savvy on that because he, he gets involved and in, he asks more questions than anyone, I think, or tries to. He and McLean, I, yeah. I would have McLean one and Berman two in terms of total questions asked. So Berman never misses, ever. He never misses a press conference. Like, he tells a story all the time about, like, how he was on a date or he had to postpone a date because the Eagles signed um, some, like, nothing guy like i think it was either jake scott or like a it was a no-name tight end i asked him who who they were it was either jake scott or some other guy and then like he was out with his friends one time at the bar having drinks and he left so that he could write that the eagle signed gj kinney (laughs) (laughs) so like he his work ethic is outstanding but what he does is that he gets he gets in so many of these question face-offs and he's like happy to concede the loss because what happens is the interview subject will often, like, come right back to him. And you know what he also has become, too? Like, remember how, like, when Chip Kelly would start press conferences, he'd go less, and, like, less would get the first question. Yeah. Well, Doug doesn't do that so much. He doesn't, like, say Zach, he, but he does look at Zach He looks first, at him. Yeah. <laughs> as if to say, like, what's your first question? Because I don't, because I don't think he has a very good win-loss record on the questions, I they didn't have him in top three, but... 
for all the reasons I noted there, he did make my top five. So that is the 10-minute Zach Berman <laughs> section of the podcast. Right. So this should give you an idea of like how in-depth this article is going to be. <laughs> like the power yeah. rankings. Anyway, continue. Let's uh, let's tighten it up with the next. I, I guess that's my fault, too, because I started to go into it. <laughs> so I'm guessing the, top, the rest of the top five. Is John McMullen in there? He's number one. Okay, see? Boom. Got it. <laughs> Jeff McLean? Jeff McLean is number two. So I've, I'm three for three. Hold on. One, one, one quick Jeff McLean thing. Okay. The, the one thing that, uh, well, what he does is he's a big interrupter. He'll just interrupt the previous question, the, mm. the answer to the previous question. So he, like, eliminates question face-off competition. But the one thing that I, like, do admire about him is, uh, like, he asks really ballsy questions. <laughs> like, in, yeah. like, there was the, uh, the Thanksgiving game in 2015, but they just got stomped by the Lions. Like a week after they got stomped by the Buccaneers, and like this is like like rock bottom of the Chip Kelly era, and Chip had said like it wasn't the players, it wasn't execution. So McLean goes, uh, "Hope it's not the players. It's not execution. Is it you?" <laughs> it, was, it was just like like everyone in the room like didn't say it, but everyone in the room like in their heads were like, "Ooh." <laughs> uh, is Ruben Frank in there? No, I have him. Uh, Seventh. How about Shield? Shield is number three. Okay. Shield. I was going to say you better have Shield in there. You said Berman about the volume of his voice. Yeah. Shield belts it out. Well, Shield's a good timer too. He's good with the time. Like I feel like, from what I remember, and from from you know, he's not around as much obviously now. But like when you know he was covering the team daily there, and like I just always remember his timing was really good. I feel like he 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 knows like right as opposed to like interrupting a question. Like he knows when it's going to end. Because that's the art yes. of the the question. Like you know, someone's cadence enough to when they're winding down, and you just boom, you jump in there right away. Like he's good, but like without false starting, like you know, like right. McLean might do. And uh, Martin Frank is an offender of that too. Of the okay. False start. <laughs> but yeah, so Shield also was loud. Like when he left, when he went from Philly to Seattle, like one of the first press conferences that Pete Carroll had after Shield moved there. Oh yeah. Shield like yelled a question at him. And Pete Carroll goes, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> um, so one more so, to go. So you got four out of the five so far. I think the, I think the, the last one is, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a well-known reporter for sure, but I don't okay. know if you're going to get it. So what is, what number is it? Can you tell me? It's I've, number I've four. Gotten... So you, you got okay, one, two, four. three, and five. The way you said it made me sound like it's not a writer. Am I right about that? It's a writer. It is a writer. Yes. Okay. So I thought it might be like one of these TV people. Um, no, no, no. no. Is it T-Mac? It's T-Mac. Very good. Okay, boom. Got it. Tim what McManus, I, I should say, I for those who don't know. What I respect about McManus is, like, his wording on his question is, like, perfect. Like yes. So, he'll be, so, like, I found that example, actually. There was, like, a question about, like, you know, how is the offense, um, you know, sort of geared toward maximizing uh, Carson Wentz's skill set. So, like, on a question like that, like, you know, me or, like, other, some other idiot would be like, hey, Doug, uh, Carson throws the ball pretty good, so uh, what do you do to make a, to make his good throwing be used better? Right, so like <laughs> that's how I would ask that question. But here, so I found a, a, an example from McManus. He goes, he goes, uh, what are your thoughts on the marriage of scheme and quarterback? Yeah, what strengths have you identified with Carson Wentz, and how has the offense been tailored to fit that? <laughs> it's like it's awesome. <laughs> so Jimmy. You had a, a moment I think you wanted to share on the podcast from okay. your, your beat. Well, uh, so there's a question. couple different things. Like we mentioned Les already here. 
like one the, the thing that I love about less is uh, well, should I do growths first or less? Uh, well, you already got into less. Save right. the best for less. <laughs> All right, on the Lane Johnson episode of uh, a Chris Long podcast. No, Lane is Chalk talking Media. About, what is it? That's his company, Chris Long's company, uh, Chalk Media. Okay. So uh, Lane's telling a story about like I guess Chris Long asked him like what his worst game ever was, and it was a 2013 game against the Chiefs. Uh, week three it was his rookie season. He gave up like three sacks uh, to uh, Justin, Justin Houston, Houston in quick in quick su- succession, and uh, he he says uh, he I'll just I'll just let uh, I'll let I'll let so Lane take it away. Shoulder. And so I was trying to jump save the, the sacks he gave up was jump sets, and so I went out there over aggressive trying to get on him fast. He just swiped the f- out of me. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, we're out there, and uh, yeah. Got back in the locker room before I even take off my pants. I got less going. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Les. But hey, Les is actually pretty cool. You want him to say something? But the say. Les, Les just says a statement. A statement. So he got beat with three sacks today. Yeah, it's not a question. So. Yeah. How do you feel? No, no, that's a question. Yeah. He'll he'll yeah. Be, he'll be like, Justin Houston's pretty good at football. Yeah, I'll say, yeah. You see the, those three sacks he got on it? All right, a little too much language there. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's like perfect. Like that's less, it's less like to a T. And then the other one that I have here, this is my favorite audio from the. Uh, it's just the twenty eighteen season. <laughs> this is uh, a Bob Groats line of questioning to Jay Ajayi. The audio is not as good here. So try to bear with me here. It's after the Eagles lose to the Vikings. And uh, Linval Joseph in that game, if you'll recall, when he pick up a fumble, I think it was a sack fumble, and he picked yeah. it up, and then there was like a fat guy touchdown. He ran like, you know, over 50 yards for a touchdown. And I guess at some point during that touchdown run, like Jay Ajayi was trying to chase him down, but there were just too many other Viking defenders uh, in his way, and he couldn't get him. So, <laughs> so here's, here's Gretz's line of questioning. Groats is a treasure, I would say. (laughs) I love, I love, yeah, to be clear, I I love Bob Groats, my boy. So, uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? (laughs) Uh, do I have any final thoughts? Mm, I don't think I do. NFL Combine coming up, I guess, in, uh, what is it? uh, A week? Not this week, but next week. But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot to look for there. I think the Eagles are obviously going to be interested in speed. Obviously, the fans will be interested in seeing what all these receivers run. The cornerbacks are also certainly uh, worthwhile looking at. There's their times as well, uh, but that's about all I have. You and then the rumors will start up too because you know. Oh, even for sure, yeah. Every year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond like the draft Asians stuff, start talking and media guys. Yep. They all get in the same room. Everyone gets drunk, and then like start <laughs> saying stuff. So, it's so always, it starts getting fun around that time. Yes. 
So we'll get some of that. We're, we're making our way through the slow part of the season. Uh, the, the final thought that I have uh, is that I liked the XFL the first oh, week. Okay. I didn't have really any expectations going in. I said I was going to watch it on this podcast, and I did. Uh, I had the games on more so Saturday than Sunday. Sunday's games weren't as good, but the first day I turned it on, and I was like, I don't really know what to expect here. Uh, but I found myself having fun and I didn't want to turn it off. I was like, this is kind of fun. The, the football was sloppy, but in fairness, like they haven't had a, you know, a preseason NFL and, one is sloppy every year. Yeah. And also they're obviously just not as good players too. Yeah. So like, you know, you have to understand some of that, but like that didn't ruin it for yeah. me. I, I thought there was interesting stuff like the, the different conversions they have now, like the one, two or three. I think that's kind of interesting play clock being quicker. It's like 25 instead of 40. Like there's just some interesting changes uh, I definitely think there will be some guys who get opportunities in the NFL, like uh, kind of like when the AAF folded last year and, and guys got some second chances. I think it's like it's end of April, by the way, when those players can actually get offered NFL contracts. So I don't know. How many know. games do they I mean, play? Uh, how many games do they play per week? In the XFL. No, just overall. So Total? How long is their regular season? I forget, honestly. Because that's going to be hard to do, to play however many games you play beginning in February, like let's say mm. it's eight games, for example, let's say it's eight, like they play eight games plus whatever, like they play the playoffs that they make it. And then, yeah. and, <laughs> and then they get like a week off and they're right into like OTAs, <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's going to be hard to do. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's worth a try. If you haven't watched it already, like turn it on, see if you like it or not. I think it's fun. And, uh, I think it'd be nice if it could kind of stick around. That's about it on this episode of BGN radio one Oh five. Again, uh, congrats to, Football Joe with the 11s instead of L's in his name. Make sure you email Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy at phillyvoice.com Philly to, to claim your prize of the Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey bobbleheads. And for everyone else, please continue to rate and review. Maybe we'll do more fun stuff in the future. Giveaways, we'll see as they come up. Uh, thank you for supporting the podcast as always, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.